Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. I made a silent promise that if I were to ever get out of prison and, and achieve some level of success, and keeping in mind when you're sitting in a prison cell, uh, the bar for success is not very high. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Uh, thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, it's um, it's a blessing to be able to get the feedback and the emails, the text messages, text messages that I get from fans, you know, saying how much the uh, the Shark Effect and what it's done for them, both professionally and personally. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and I'm very grateful for people purchasing my book. Uh, my book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement, is, is something that I uh, I worked on for quite some time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's for sale. It's on Amazon, or you can go to my website, yourultimateplaybook.com, and you can get yourself a copy, and I'll, I'll autograph it for you. So uh, thank you for the support with that. But anyway, my guest is he's a motivational speaker he's he's also an author his name is ian humphrey and then he's he's one of the lucky ones even though it certainly didn't seem like that at first you see as a child he faced his own series of difficult circumstances from from losing his mother at an early age and never truly knowing his derelict father to living in foster care 
and spending his adolescence in the rough parts of South Central LA. At 19, he succumbed to the negative voices that had always said he would be just like his father, and he committed a crime, and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Now, that don't sound too lucky, but let me tell you, the thing that changed him was one person that he met in prison that changed his life forever because he saw the potential of good in him and he began to share those those thoughts and that information and that vision for Ian's life and he was changed from from then on out and it's just it's such an inspirational story and I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time you know going into it because I want him to be able to tell it himself Ian, my man, thank you so much for being a guest on The Shark Effect. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always, for me, it's always a good a good time and a good opportunity to just kind of, I guess, just to chop it up with, with like-minded, like-minded folks. Absolutely. And, and one of my good homeboys, man, from, from back in the day, Colorado Springs, he's been telling me for years I need to connect with you. And that's Brian, a.k.a. Lumpy Sanders. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, give him a shout out, man, for finally connecting with you. But, man, hey, can you tell my listeners a little bit about you, Ian? Sure, 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 sure. No doubt. You know, I'm a right now I'm a you know, I, I kind of struggle with the word or the term motivational speaker, but you know, that's oftentimes what we're called, you know, motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, uh, trainer, if you will. But I speak, you know, I speak, I am a speaker and I speak on the topics of leadership, uh, different personal development topics, overcoming adversity, a, a lot of different, a lot of different topics, but I tend to try to stay towards that overcoming adversity and really what it takes to become successful. Uh, as I don't know if you know this, but well, there, I know that you do know this, but you know, I spent four and a half, almost five years in prison after committing an armed robbery and an assault with a deadly weapon when I was 19. And at that point in time, I got to tell you, it was a, probably the lowest point for me in, in my life. So after I was sentenced, I was sentenced to 15 years, but after my sentencing, oh my. Yeah, after, after I was sentenced, I'm, you know, I, I made a silent promise. I can go into more detail about that maybe a little bit later, but I made a silent promise that if I were to ever get out of prison and, and achieve some level of success, and keeping in mind when you're sitting in a prison cell, uh, the bar for success is not very high. For me, it was if I can get out of prison and find a job, you know, that would be some success for me uh, because I knew how difficult it would be. It would be an uphill climb. But I said, if I were lucky enough to get out of prison, one, and stay out because the recidivism rate is, at the time was 70%, meaning seven out of 10 people that got out of prison ended up going back. So if I could stay out of prison, and if I could find work and some other things that I had written down on, on what I call my success 
goals. I said, if I can achieve these things, I said, I'm going to start to give back and attempt to, I'm going to attempt to uh, change some lives. I'm going to take my experience and try to try to do something with it. So I can tell you, I got the opportunity about 10 years after I got out of prison to give back. And I'm standing in front of, it was a, it was a children's home. So it was a group home, it was a group home, a mixed group home with boys and girls. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm standing in front of this group home and I started to, you know, I just got the opportunity just to tell my story, give some success strategies, talk about some things that I had overcome in my life, talk about being a, a young father and just some other, some other, some other, some other topics. But that was the start of me kind of, I guess, fulfilling that promise that I made to, to give back and to continue to give back. And I speak very candidly about what happened. It's a part of my past, but it, it's a part of who I am. And I don't, I don't make any attempts to hide it. I committed an armed robbery, again, and an assault with a deadly weapon. And I almost took a man's life. It wasn't a dare, but for me, I'm originally from South Central LA. I was born and raised like two blocks from where Stan Tukey Williams and Raymond Washington started, started the Crip Street Gang. So I wasn't a stranger to, to violence. You know, I could walk right outside my house and see drug sales, prostitution, you know, violence, that type of stuff. So growing up in South Central LA, you know, during that time in the 80s and the 90s, it's crazy because I can, I can honestly say I knew more people that had gone to prison than to college. So for me, or for many young men that grow up in that environment, oftentimes you believe that that's just, that's just a passage to manhood. But for me, you know, I can say, for me, my life kind of started, it, it got off to a kind of a rough start, but, you know, I was born premature and then, you know, it culminated into me being placed in the foster care where I was physically, mentally, and sexually abused. I was locked inside of a closet and abused by my foster mom. And once I was, once I got out of that foster home, I, I stayed in that, I was sent to the foster home at three, got out when I was nine. And at that time I went to live with my grandmother. and. You know, you, you talk about a young child who has experienced this type of trauma. I know a lot of, about trauma that I didn't know then, but I didn't do a good job really dealing with it. Uh, but so I dealt with all this trauma and then what topped it off for me, Alex, was at age of 11, my mom passed away. And that's when I became really angry. Uh, I, I was hurt, I was confused, and I kind of gave up. And I can tell you that at that point in time in my life, I, I really didn't care if I lived or died. So I lived very, very recklessly. Uh, you know, broke into houses, stole cars. You know, I did a lot of things that, I, that I'm not proud of. And then it culminated into me uh, hanging out with some friends and they made the suggestion, they, 
they made the suggestion that we rob some. So I can tell you at that point in time in my life, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had a lot to live for. And, and I believe that that's a big problem in, in a lot of communities where young men and young women, they don't really necessarily have a reason or believe, or they haven't discovered their reason to live. Now in the professional development field, I guess for lack of a better term, we call it, it's our purpose. So at 19, I hadn't discovered my purpose yet. Mm. Didn't know what it was, but I was carrying around all this baggage of being in this foster home and abused and my mom passing away and my father basically uh, abandoning us. My father was a career criminal. He died in prison. So, you know, it culminated into me kind of. Hey, I got to let you guys know, I'm excited about the partnership that I've uh, created with Frog Fuel. So Frog Fuel is a protein-based company. It's a super protein. And what it is, I'm just going to simplify it and explain it, is collagen, which is the predominant protein that's in animals and in people. So collagen protein has a unique amino acid profile and then is the most critical building block of structural supporting and connective tissues in the body. And so from the day you are born until the day you die, your body is continually breaking down and replacing proteins. Frog fuel is a fast absorbing form of collagen protein that is fortified with amino acids. That means your body will absorb this within 15 minutes. And it comes in little small packs where you don't have to have a blender. You don't have to shake it till you, till you make it type of protein mix. Your body absorbs it. And it does that in a very efficient way. So if you're looking to up your game, whether it's repairing, recovering, or strengthening your muscles, Frog Fuel is the way to go. So you can, you can get you some at frogfuel.com. And please use Shark Effect 20 to be able to get 20% off your first order. And when was that that you started to like ask yourself, like, what is your purpose? Did that start when you was in prison or when you got out? And like, where has that taken you? Has it changed? Like, you know, like for me, I thought for a long time that football was my purpose. And then when that, when that platform was no longer there, I felt lost. I felt confused. I was angry and frustrated. And so I had to like look at my, my own life and just like, okay, what, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, for me, it, it did. It did. Going to prison was a, was a wake-up call for me. And I, I'm just, as you can imagine, you know, nothing, nothing that I've ever experienced gets your attention like hearing a judge say the state of California finds you guilty of armed robbery, assault with a deadly weapon, and sentences you to 15 years in prison. It's, it's a shock to your system. I, I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself, but I can also share with you that over time, something kind of, I guess, dawned, dawned on me. And what dawned on me was this, that I could, or that I deserved a better life. You know, oftentimes some of the, a lot of the 
young men and young women that I know, oftentimes we, we don't feel like we deserve to be successful, that we don't deserve the, the life that, that we dream about. And for me, what helped me to start to realize that was a, a teacher that worked in that prison. This teacher, you know, he was from Detroit and he was an ex-military guy and he saw something. I mean, he took a, he took a, a, a liking to me. It's like he, he knew, it's like he saw himself, a younger version of himself in me. And he shared some of his life with me. And, you know, I spent a lot of time getting in trouble in prison. Like that first year in prison was very really rough for me. I spent a lot of time in solitary confinement and this teacher's educator, his name was Charles Lyles. He would always kind of lift me up after I had done something uh, to get sent to solitary confinement. He would always lift me up and he would always say some, some words of encouragement to me. Mm. And he, you know, he showed me respect. That's, I guess that's the best way that I can put it. This man showed me respect, even though I didn't feel as though I deserved it. You know, he saw that I, he knew that I could become something if I just focused and put my mind to it. At that point in time, early on in my prison sentence, I had committed in my mind that I would end up dying in prison, you know, because of the story that I had been conditioned to believe about myself. You know, as a kid being abused, uh, when I would act out as a kid, I was told I would be just like my father. As I said earlier, he died in prison. He was a career criminal. So I was conditioned to believe that you know what, this is, this is the best that, that life has to offer me. But this teacher, oftentimes, you know, it takes, oftentimes it only takes a few words of encouragement over and over and over again to pour life into somebody and help them to change. And that's what he did for me. The last time I got in trouble in solitary confinement, this man, he comes into my, he comes into my cell in solitary confinement and he said a lot of things that I, don't, that I don't remember to this day, but the last thing he said to me before walking out of my cell was, he says, Mr. Humphrey, I said, yes, sir. And he said, son, he says, I believe in you. And that to me, that to me, Alex was powerful because uh, no one had ever said that to me before, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like this man that doesn't necessarily know me he knows the worst thing about me that I could ever have done in my life. And he still sees something enough in me to say, hey, he's, he originally said prison doesn't have to be your life. So he, you know, he saw this in me and saw something in me. He saw past my mistake, my biggest flaw, my biggest mistake, he could see past that and say, hey, you know what, son? You can change your life and, and I believe in you. And that to me, that really kind of set me on, on a new path. Man, that's so powerful. Like you're saying that somebody, that somebody can be able to look past those mistakes that we make. And somebody especially, you know, I'm sure he was a little bit older and for him to just believe in you. Those are so powerful, those are powerful words. And I wanna ask you, man, you know, when people, because it happens all over, it happens in athletics, it happens, you know, we're raising our kids, when we have work, 
man, when there's setbacks, man, when you get knocked down, can you give us some, some tools or structure to help us to, to get up and move forward? Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. You know, one thing that, because, you know, when that, when that teacher looked at me, he says, hey, you know what, I, I believe in you. You know, he planted, he planted a seed and he watered it. But as you know, as being a professional football player, you still have to do the work. You can be the most gifted athlete most talented musician and the world can see it, but if you're not willing to put in the work, then that, that seed never takes root and never grows to become a fulfilled its potential. So for me, I can give you a few things that, that I did that I believe contributed to my success, but not only that, you know, I believe that these are still tools that I still do to this day. So I, I would say first and foremost, for me, one, one, I have to stop making excuses. You know, for me, after I was sent to prison, it was very easy for me to blame someone else. I, I blame my father for not being there. I blame my foster mom for abusing me. You know, I blame my past. I blamed everybody. I pointed the finger at every, everybody. But my life didn't really begin to change until I fully took responsibility for my actions, one. And two, until I looked in the mirror and I said, hey, you know what? This isn't, you being here in prison, it's your fault. And only, only you can change this. So when it comes to, to changing lives or achieving goals, first and foremost, I believe it, it starts with accepting responsibility for, for where you are and creating some steps and goals or strategies of how you're gonna move, how you're gonna move forward. So the first and foremost, again, I would say no excuses. The second one I would say is, is I had to take some chances. You know, for me, I was in a car with four other young men that were my age. And again, that robbery wasn't my idea, but I went along kind of to get along. Uh, you know, I just went along with it. And I didn't, for at that point in time, had I said, hey, pull the car over and, and let me out. Of course, I feared being ridiculed. I, I feared a lot of different things from the guys in that car. What I believe now is we have to take certain chances in life. So I'll rephrase that. So for me, Alex, after the first step for me is, is not making excuses, point blank, accepting that responsibility for my actions. The second thing I, that I would say is we have to take certain chances. There, there's no one that has ever achieved any level of success without taking some, some huge chances. So for me, for instance, my first chance was after I got paroled out of prison, I was, went back to LA, probably the worst place I could go back to. Mm. Because all of your, all the old friends and the old acquaintances are, are there waiting for you, okay? So I get out of prison and I go back to LA. 
and I'm, you know, I couldn't find work. I finally found a job working at a pizza pizza place making like $3 and 15 cents an hour. And that's when I get a call from a friend of mine or an acquaintance in here in Colorado that says, hey, I think I can find you a job out here in Colorado. I had never been to, I had never been to Colorado. I, was, I, had, I had never even seen snow before. Wow. But when they said, hey, I think I can get you a job, I knew I had to take a chance. You know, I had to pack up and, and leave. So what I did is I saved up enough money for a one-way plane ticket and for a, the biggest winter coat that I could find because I, <laughs> I got to be ready for the snow. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I got on a plane and I moved. Now, I'll tell you, I bought a one-way plane ticket because for me at that point in time, I was still on parole, but I bought a one-way plane ticket because I felt like, you know what, this isn't, failure isn't an option for me. I've got to, I've got to figure out a way to make this work. Sometimes, all too often, sometimes people say, well, you got to have a plan A and a plan B. But for me, I had plan A and I had to make, I had to make it work. There was no Plan B wasn't an option for me. So I took that chance. I packed up, left my family, left everything I knew, and I moved out here to Colorado. And that chance has paid off for me uh, tremendously. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 30% of everyone that gets, or 70% of everyone that gets out of prison ends up going back. And I believe me taking that chance to move in Colorado really played a huge part in me starting over and successfully completing parole and not having to worry about ever or reoffending. Mm -hmm. So if I had to bring if I had to bring up maybe two more, I'd say, of course, never giving up because it was hard getting out of prison and trying to start over with this kind of scarlet letter of being a felon. It, you know, no one wants to hire you. People look at you funny once they find that out. And I had a lot of days where I felt like giving up, where I felt like, you know what, I could, going back to prison would be easier for me. It would be easier than dealing with the rejection that I was facing once I had been released. However, you know, for me, I had to refuse to quit. And part of that reason for me not quitting was, you know, you and I previously, we talked about the daughter of the, the daughter of the man that I almost killed. Mm -hmm. This young girl, she sat on the witness stand and she talked to me about the effects of what I had done to her father. She talked about the, you know, the, how it affected her and her family. So for me, not giving up and succeeding after prison was based on a promise, silent promise that I made to her that I would, if I got out of prison, I would continue to repay, repay that debt. So even though there were many days when I felt like giving up, that really was the force behind me refusing, refusing to, to quit. Mm. And if I had to bring up one more, I would say, and I know you, I know you know this, and you know, I'm not saying anything that the listeners don't know, 
but another one would be who we surround ourselves with. You know, saying iron sharpens iron. Love that. Yeah. So, so who, so who we surround ourselves with? Um, you know, that's one of the most important things. I was in a car where someone suggested that we that we rob some. Uh, you know, I wasn't in a good place at the time, and I definitely wasn't an angel. However, I know that if that probably or possibly doesn't happen, if I'm hanging out with, I don't know, let's say straight A students, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, a, different, or a different crowd. Today, you know, my Rolodex, if you will, or my phone, you know, I've got a different set of, a different set of friends, different types of friends, and they're all very ambitious. They all have hopes and dreams and goals that they're working for. And that's our common, that's our common denominator. So we, you know, I'm surrounded by people that, that lift me up and that I can also, that I can also lift up. So, so that I would say would definitely play, plays an important part in, in being successful. Absolutely. I, man, I was taking notes. So, so stop making excuses. Make sure you take responsibility for your actions. Uh, take, taking chances. Uh, uh, never giving up. And then be mindful who you surround yourself with. And I'm, I'm guessing like the character of those people you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Those Absolutely. are some powerful tools, man. Powerful. Um, and and I know you, you know, you speak all across the country and, you know, you speak on leadership, you know, getting up when you're knocked down. How do you define leadership and how do you see that? How do you see that play out like in everyday life? Because, you know, a lot of folks, we, we see leadership at work or we see leadership in school or even at home. But I'm always looking for me, what's the foundation if I can understand the foundation of something, then I can be able to talk about it. I can understand it at a deeper level. And it doesn't matter in what situation, you know, because because it's a found it's foundational. So I'm curious, you know, for you, what's what's the foundation of leadership? Like, how do you define it? You know, when I do speak on on leadership, because, you know, I also run a I also run a, a metal fabrication company here in, in, in Aurora, Colorado. So, so leadership is important. You know, we've got 14 men that, that come to work every day that look to me as a leader to guide them. So for me, the foundation, I guess, for me, at least the foundation of, of any leader, for me, it, it starts with the vision. And when I think about, when I think about a well-rounded leader, I know that I'm talking or dealing with someone that has, as I said, has a vision. Uh, they're, invest, they're willing to invest in themselves and their team meaning as a leader, I have to give you the tools that you need to be successful. If we're gonna be successful as a team, I have to set and have clear intentions. I can't fear change. That's a, that's a big one is 
not fearing change, especially after the pandemic. I think a lot of people realize or have had to adapt and change. Also, I believe we have to be, as a leader, we have to be open to new opportunities. And when I, when I say that, when I talk about being open to new opportunities, what I mean by that, because that's, that's, that covers a lot, but I, I I've had guys that have come into my office and they'll say, hey, you know, I've got a suggestion. And oftentimes as a leader, you have your own vision and you get so locked into that vision that one, you can, you can fear change. So when someone comes into my office and I say, hey, you know what, I, I've got an idea that I think we should implement. There was a time as a young leader where I, I'd say, you know, I kind of listen, but half listen. Mm-hmm. Then that person would come into my office again with another idea. And I'd have to, and I'd kind of half listen again. And I don't remember what the change was for me, but I know that this was my growth as a leader. What I learned is, first and foremost, anyone that walks into that office with, a, with an idea, I have to be open as a leader to listen to them. Because what happens is, at some point in time, that individual, they're going to stop walking into your office. Mm. And if you don't listen to them, you miss out on an opportunity to get better. So when I talk about being open to opportunities, when I talk about never fearing change, as a leader, those are some of the foundations that I feel leadership has to be, has to be built on. Mm, that's good. Tell, tell me a little bit about your book, man. Talk about your book. I'm, I'm sure you got some of the stories that, that we already talked about or that you already talked about. But who is your who is your book for? You know, the funny thing about my book is. Is when I started writing my book, it's called It's Not About the Knockdown. It's about the get up. And when I first started writing that book, my goal was to write a book for incarcerated youth. I wanted to write something that they could read and hopefully use to make the same changes in their life that I was able to to make in mine. And the goal being to to help them to get out of prison, not go back and to lead a successful life. I believe that it was possible. I believe it's possible because I did it. So I wanted to write something that that was that really that they could use. Unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of feedback from or from facilities that I wrote uh, offering or asking them if they felt that they could use the book. I just didn't get a lot of feedback on it. So I changed my, I changed direction, went back and changed the book so that it was, so that it would, I changed it so that it would appeal to just youth in general. But the truth is it appeals to anyone. Mm-hmm. Zig Ziglar once said, he says, you know, if you can, when you communicate, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, communicate on a level that, that a five-year-old can understand, and that way everyone can understand it and learn from it. So even though I say my book is written for youth, anyone can benefit, anyone can benefit from it. And so it's just a simple six-step strategy to really making certain changes, certain changes in your life. 
So I talk about things like having a, a CEO mentality. And when I got out of prison, my thought process was I have to work harder than everybody else because I'm, a, I'm five steps behind. So I said, if I, once I'm lucky enough to find a job, I said, you know, I don't want to have an employee's mentality. And what I mean by that is when, when someone that has an employee mentality, that's someone, if you pay them $9 an hour, they're going to they're gonna attempt to give you $8.50 worth of work an hour. Mm-hmm. But an employee or a, I'm sorry, a CEO's mentality is when I come to work every day, I'm going to do more than what I get paid to do. And at the end of the day, when, when I have questions or problems, I'm going to ask myself, what would the CEO of this company do? And, and that's what I'm going to do. A CEO mentality is one where I, I was willing to outwork everybody else, uh, you know, do, as I said, do more than what I got paid, do more than what I was being paid to do. And the way that benefited me was, you know, when I got out of prison, you, you're supposed to write down on your application that, you're, that you've been convicted of a felony. And right before you get released, you take what's called pre-release classes. So, you know, they give you some tips and strategies on how to successfully complete parole. But they also talk about best practices for looking for work. Unfortunately, those practices, they tell you don't, or to always be honest and write down, you know, that that you're a convicted felon, that you're a convicted felon. But as soon as I wrote that down on the application, I didn't get an opportunity. I didn't get an opportunity. I was, you know, I was eliminated before I even got the chance. So at one point I said, you know what, I, I, I want to, at one point I said, you know what, I got to get in, I got to get my foot in the door. And if I can get my foot in the door, then I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to outwork everybody so that if and when they find out that, yeah, I have a, I have a felony, a felony on my record. If they decide to let me go, I said, I will, I know I'm going to work so hard that if that day comes, they're going to have to let go the, the hardest worker that they have in the company. Hmm. So for me, that was my kind of my CEO mentality. And I ended up getting a job. My first job here in Colorado was at King Supers. And, you know, as I said, I did more than what they paid me to do. Uh, you know, oftentimes I would, I would do something that was not in my job description and other employees would look at me and they say, hey, you know what, that's, why are you doing that? They don't pay me enough to do that. But I would do it anyway. Why? Because that's what the CEO mentality is all about. So I talk about subjects like that in my book, just simple steps and strategies of how to overcome adversity, how to become successful. It's a workbook. So you can write down, you can write things down. And as you make progress, you're able to go back and look, kind of look back on what you wrote down in that book and hold yourself accountable. Mm, I like that. Can you share the website where we can get the book? You know, the website, you can go to, the easiest website is, would be, well, you can find it on Amazon. So okay. On, okay. That's probably the easiest place to find it is on Amazon. Again, it's called, It's Not About the Knockdown. So I'd say, yeah, that's where you, 
if someone wanted to go and look at it or maybe you know purchase it as a gift uh, they can find it there if someone emails me oftentimes you know i'll just send it to them i'll just send it to them for free okay you uh are you on social media man i want to i want to make sure we get your your information out there whether social media or website so if people want more of you and your your inspiration how can they go about getting that or even booking you as a speaker you know i am on social media on facebook they can find me at ian humphrey motivational speaker if they wanted to if they're perhaps looking for a speaker for something and wanted to see if I were a fit, they could go to Ian at beinspired.com. It's kind of a play on my name. It's B-E-I-A-N-S-P-I-R-E-D.com. So they can go there. And that's where I would go to start the process. Okay. All right. Man, this has been powerful. Uh, I think... Well, I know my listeners, you know, have gotten some out of this. Is there anything else that that I missed or I should have asked you? I want to make sure I scrape the plate with you, Ian. <laughs> well, you know, here's one thing that I would say, you know, to a lot of listeners out there that doubt themselves, that have been conditioned to believe that they that there are certain things that they cannot accomplish. You know, I would just simply say that, you know, really my life is a, is a testimony of, of what's possible. And sometimes when people, when I, when I have a conversation with people, they'll look at me and they'll say, man, you know, your life is pretty sad. <laughs> or they'll say something to that effect. Mm. And my response to that is simply this, you know, I, I have a great life. I mean, I've been married for 22 years. I have four, four successful, successful kids. Uh, I believe that I've accomplished many of the things that I attempted to, to do or that I believe that I couldn't do at one time in my life. So when someone says to me, you know, your life is sad, what I, the way that I respond to that is just simply this, you know, here's what's sad. And this is, I guess, my message for your listeners is what's sad is anyone, no matter what your background, no matter what you've been through, what's sad is if you don't live up to your full potential. If you don't believe or change or recondition yourself to believe what's possible. So no matter what your listeners, no matter what they're going through, because there's not a, it's not, it's not, it's not if we're going to face certain challenges in our life, it's when. So the bottom line is just simply know that no matter how tough those challenges are, that you can overcome them if you make up your mind to. Love it, love it. Ian, man, I can't wait for our next conversation. I'd love to have you on as a guest on the Shark Effect again. This has been very uh, inspiring. And man, you keep doing what you're doing, man. You, you're a blessing to you know, to a lot of people and, you know, myself included. So I just want to say thank you once again for, for being a guest on the Shark Effect, my man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me. It's always, it's always a pleasure and uh, I always learn something new chopping it up with you. All right. Appreciate you, my man. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra- to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.